Slurpee. Nothing personal word of the day. It is, as you'd imagine, Tuesday, 7-Eleven. Here is a note for you. If you're near a 7-Eleven, go get a free Slurpee. What a great promotion. Just what everyone needs. A little food coloring on a block of ice. Bring you back to the days of young with a little paper cup where you got an icy and you saw them pump. Hey, one more pump of the blue food coloring so my mouth can completely turn blue. 7-Eleven. One of the great promotions I really wanted to do Approached 7-Eleven when I was with the Marlins. Wanted to start our games at 7-Eleven because the TV network didn't care. You could start at 710, 707, 705. Couldn't start before 705. Now they start at 640. But you do a pregame show that can be anywhere from five minutes to 35 minutes. 7-Eleven would not have it. I believe they did a sponsorship with the White Sox for a bit, but then realized that people didn't care much. But I thought it'd be amazing. Hey, what time's the game? 7-Eleven. Hey, free Slurpees. It's also, hopefully you're listening to this live on Nothing Personal with David Sampson. Because while you're on the YouTube and watching the show, you can also be on Amazon if you so choose. It's Prime Day, where everyone in the country and the world will buy stuff that you do not need because it's sale on sale. The only one not awake doing it right now is Vladimir Guerrero and Randy Arozarena and any other participant in last night's home run derby. If you did not see it, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is your home run derby champion. And it made me smile because it's about me. I grant you that. And I love the fact that I've known Junior since he was a little boy in Montreal. He was born in Montreal. When I got there in 99, 2000, he was just a kid, like a tiny kid who could swing. It was crazy. And they showed a picture of him in 07 when his dad won the home run derby. So the Guerrero father-son duo, Vladimir and Vladimir, are the only father-son duo to ever win the home run derby. Very, very cool. Junior made a hell of a lot more money than Senior did for winning. Junior's going to make a hell of a lot more money than Senior did in his career, and Senior did damn well. Congratulations. A couple things that bothered me about the derby that we've been trying to solve for years. Do you remember when it used to be outs, Coca? Where you could go forever, you got 10 outs, and an out was any swing that did not result in a home run. Players would get tired. We sat in meetings, and the TV network, ESPN, they said, listen, it's too much. We got to time it. So they started with the three-minute rounds. Any number of of outs doesn't matter. You have three minutes, but then you can get more time if you really hit a ball far which Mookie Betts could not yesterday. You can get an extra minute. People don't realize how exhausting the home run derby is. We've touched on it a tiny bit, but when you look at Guerrero, who had to go second in the semis and then first in the finals back to back and still was able to win a true miracle, then you could see how a good batting practice pitcher would change that event. Schneider was able to get the ball. His manager, Vladdy's manager was his BP pitcher last night because Vladdy's manager is his BP pitcher during games. Little BP story, Coca, for you. You know who your best BP pitchers are. There's BP every day, and there's more than one BP pitcher. There are groups, and you know what group you're in because it's posted in the clubhouse, and there's always the final group. The final group in BP 
are generally your best hitters who work with your best BP pitcher. We had a guy named Pierre Arsenault, who was our best BP pitcher for a long time, ended up being a scout. I don't know where you are right now, Pierre, but uh, je me manque, monsieur. So the players get used to working with the BP pitcher. If you're going to the home run derby and you are going to have someone throw BP to you, you start practicing even more with that pitcher before you go to the derby. Giancarlo Stanton had a guy named Pat Shine, great BP pitcher, went with him to San Diego in the derby in 2016 when he was the champion. Poor Pete Alonso had no chance at all to succeed. All Mets fans' hopes were like John Malkovich in Rounders, down the drain, watching your hopes go down the drain. As Julio Rodriguez hits 41 bombs, and then you've got to try to beat that. And on top of that, his BP pitcher is on the IL with a forearm strain. If he were an actual pitcher, he'd have Tommy John. So this guy has to replace Alonzo, had to replace Alonzo's BP pitcher, and you have no rhythm. Very hard to win a derby without a good BP pitcher. My pick was Garcia of the Rangers. His BP pitcher last night, for whatever reason, stunk. Throwing freaking sliders. Away, away, away. No, you got to get up and in. Right down. Put it on a tee. It's so hard to repeat. They're not ball machines. If you want to make the home run derby completely fair and have it based on hitters alone, you use a pitching machine and not a human being. We've replaced human beings everywhere else. We're on our way to replacing them with just about everything where there are human beings. Why not have a pitching machine up there? That'd make it fun. You want to see people hit 500-foot home runs? It'd still be timed, so it'd be based on stamina. It's not like it would last till 2 a.m. Under the old rules with 10 outs, if you used a pitching machine, we'd be there till 3 in the morning because hitters, they would never stop. Every hit would be a home run. The trophy celebration is definitely different now. In the old days, you saw the commissioner or the president of baseball come. They do an official presentation. Now it's Ken Griffey because the commissioner doesn't want to get booed. No one else wants to take the stage for fear of getting booed. So you put Griffey up there in Seattle and he hands it, not even a presentation. Guerrero had not put his bat down. Griffey hands him the trophy, he lifts it. There's a jacket, there's a necklace, there's a check. Like you've won Survivor. Not exactly a formal presentation. That said, the home run derby is damn cool. Julio Rodriguez, if you haven't seen him play, watch him play because he's a good player. And doing that in front of your home crowd, like the way Stanton and Board did in 17, not easy. There have been a couple guys who have won the home run derby in front of their home crowd. I saw the graphic yesterday, and I don't remember Coca, but it was like... Uh, Bryce Harper of the Nationals, was he one? I think he won in front of his home crowd, and there may have been one or two others. I just can't remember. So if you've gotten your free Slurpee and you've just heard the highlights of the Home Run Derby, the All-Star Game is tonight, but the biggest story, unfortunately, in the baseball world right now is Shohei Otani. There is nothing baseball can do about this. 
the regional sports networks not paying their bills, big business story. But during the All-Star break and during the weekend right now and the time in Seattle, when Shohei Otani is near a microphone, there is only one thing that is being talked about. And the one thing that should be talked about is Shohei, tell me about this year. Tell me how you feel you've improved from last year and the year before when you won the MVP, you lost to Aaron Judge when you shouldn't have, and now you're having a better year. What is it uh, that you have learned about hitting and pitching that lets you be more prepared this year for both than you've ever been? Tell me what it is that you can do to help your team. But no, the entire conversation is about his pending free agency and how much he doesn't want to lose. That's not great for MLB, and it's not great for the Anaheim Angels. So Tani meets the media. He's with his interpreter. He was asked about losing, and he said, as translated, it sucks to lose. Players who are entering free agency who have not had experience with winning in general want to win. Let me tell you that there are players who sign free agent deals who want to win, but they're still willing to sign with a team that hasn't won with them yet. My friend Giancarlo Stanton signed with the Marlins. 13 years, 325, a record contract at that time. He wanted to win. There is a number out there that would make Shohei Otani stay with the Angels. Is it the number that Moreno agreed with when he first signed Otani? Done so illegally. Is it a number that he would be willing to match where Otani could go out and say, hey, I've got 550 million Go full A-Rod with me and give me $700 million. There is a number where Otani stays an angel. Do not believe the narrative when Otani or any other player says to you, the only thing that matters is winning. There is no guarantee of winning wherever you go. Stan's been on the Yankees for Five years, they haven't won a World Series yet. They've done a lot of winning, a lot of playoff, a lot of postseason success for G, but no ring. When players try to put themselves in a position to win, in basketball, you got a chance, still no guarantee. In baseball, forget it. It's not as though Otani has not been surrounded by free agent signings and talent. We can poo-poo Anthony Rendon and the disaster he's been, but at the time, it was a juggernaut signing. The pitching, the bats, the size of the payroll, all are enough to win. Hal Steinbrenner said it correctly. You should not need $300 million to win a World Series. He's right. Wherever Otani goes and decides to sign, that team still is 1-30. Maybe if they're that good, one in 15? Oh, they're the favorites. Five to one? If I'm MLB and I know that this is going to be the focus for Otani, I want to make sure that we've got other talking points that are being discussed. I haven't read one thing about the All-Star game other than what's going on with Otani. It's overshadowing the sport. 
I would have no problem as the commissioner or the commissioner's representative talking to Otani and talking about the importance of what this weekend is, not just for baseball, but for him too. The more people engaged with the game, the more people engaged with the all-star game, with the sport, with the season, the more revenue, the better opportunity for more teams to be vying for your service. It's so important that the focus is on the field right now. Otani continued to talk about the fact that he hates to lose. And instead of segueing into an on-field conversation, the next conversation with him was, how do you feel about the possibility of being traded? Now, here's where baseball and its teams have a slightly different take. The commissioner's office loves trade speculation, loves when free agents are signed on the first day of free agency, wants to capture the attention, wants August 1st to be the day, doesn't want trickle trades. Those are sort of one-off and not exciting. He wants live programming on August 1st where trades are done on that particular day, like the first day of NBA free agency. Own the day. Whether or not Otani gets traded, that is not a trade that will come together on August 1st. Could be announced August 1st, but that is too complicated a trade and too big a trade for it to come together. Oh, that happened with 10 minutes left in the deadline. I got a call at 4.45 p.m. and by 5 p.m. Otani was traded. No, you can move a middle reliever in the last 15 minutes. You can get a bench bat in the last 15 minutes. You do not do an Otani size trade in the last 15 minutes. A trade for Otani, who, which would be, in theory, a two-month rental, is still a four-for-one, if not a five-for-one, even for the two months. If there's a window where tamperings happen and the team knows that they're going to actually sign Otani, they're not going to tell the Angels. Because if you know you have Otani signed, you'd be willing to give up just about anything. So there's a lot of cat and mouse, a lot of deception, sorcery, trickery, tampering. If I'm a team that is looking at signing Otani, I am also looking to trade for him now. Why, you ask? I could get him without giving up any assets. Right in three months, we're in July, August, September, October, November. Four months, I could get Otani for nothing. Why give anything up? Here's the answer. You have no guarantee that the type of season Otani is having, he will have again. He's done it three times, so there's a thought that he will. That's why you want to sign him as a free agent. But he's good, hot, great MVP right now. Not injured. Get the extra half season. What if that is your opportunity to win the World Series? Don't wait. There's no number of prospects I want to keep that matter more to me than getting Otani for as much as I can in his prime when he's healthy, when he's doing this as a two-way player. If I can't sign him to a long-term deal before I trade for him, I'm still giving you two good prospects, but that's it. Then some filler. Artie Moreno has to trade Shohei Otani. Artie Moreno will not trade Shohei Otani. People are going to start calling it, and I think Ken Rosenthal or somebody else may have already called it this, professional malpractice if he doesn't trade Otani. 
Of course, when we traded a player like that, it was called professional malpractice also. I don't quite understand how that works, but I digress. How it will end? I still say Otani stays an angel because I think Artie Moreno knows that losing Otani, it's going to be very hard. People are saying it, trade Otani, trade Trout, win the World Series in five years. Artie Moreno doesn't buy green bananas, folks. Very few owners do. We'll keep following that story. Tonight's the All-Star Game. The American League wins every year. Every year. Tonight, the National League breaks the streak. We're going with the National League over the American League, even though the American League wins every single year. But that's how unhot I am. We're 103 and 105, and our pick is officially the National League over the American League. We had Garcia versus Rodriguez in the finals yesterday, and Garcia winning. But I'm not counting that in the standings. Just in the last column in the pocket. It takes a lot for a team to change the way it operates. You develop a rhythm. The rhythm in baseball, the calendar really rules your life. The time of the game, every night at 7 o'clock, you're a different ballpark, different game. You know your schedule from April to October. You know when spring training starts. You know the winter meetings, the GM meetings. There's a flow, a flow that really I missed when I was out of baseball that I'm only starting to replace now. As you noticed, I'm here every day at 8 o'clock. That has replaced my baseball sort of schedule. The Yankees got into a flow with Brian Cashman, very hard to break, where he decided that he was never going to make midseason changes. I had the opposite view, of course, which is give me a season where I don't make a midseason change, and that's the anomaly. Can't get rid of players, might as well get rid of coaches or managers. Brian Cashman always said no, no need. Year after year after year of failure, 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 failure after the great success he had early in his career. Not great success since 09, which is 14 years ago. And believe me, I was chasing 14 years another World Series. You can chase and the years add up very quickly. But finally, Brian Cashman said, no mas, Miami. I'm firing our hitting coach. Now, I don't think it exactly went down the way he said, which is him going to Hal Steimer and said, Hal, I know I've never done this, but I just want you to know that I really think we should fire our hitting coach. Do you support me doing that? Not exactly sure that's how that goes. I think it's more like Hal saying to Brian, listen, Brian, I love you, man. I do. But for Christ's sake, we suck. We can't hit the side of a barn. We're putting a ball on a tee in the sand and we're not getting it in the ocean. Brian, fire somebody, anybody. And by anybody, I mean our hitting coach. Hey, Hal, what do you think of bringing in a coach who's never coached? Great. What do you think of bringing in a coach who's a broadcaster? Perfect. What do you think of bringing in a coach who I don't know if it'll work, but we'll only keep him for half a year? Sounds delightful. The Yankees brought in Sean Casey. Never coached a day in his life. Being a hitting coach, just for those not in the know, tried to explain this to Mr. Bonds. Being a hitting coach is hard. It is monotonous. It is thankless. You are working with players in the cage for hours and hours, putting balls on tees. You're sitting in the cage waiting for players who are on their phone. They're in the shower. They're in the food room. Hey, I'll be there at 2 o'clock for early hitting. It's 2.30. Where are you? 
standard. Will Sean Casey be able to adjust to being a coach and not a player broadcaster? The grind of the coach's locker room. The coach's locker room is not as nice as the clubhouse. The coach's showers, not as nice as the player showers. You're always on the bus with the front office. You're sitting in the front of the plane from now on. You're a coach. Totally different. And do you want to know what you pay a hitting coach? Not very much. And you're working way harder than when you were a player. So it is a very tough adjustment. That said, Brian Cashman came out with some comments that it's been well-documented that I've been reluctant in the past to make changes to our coaching staff in the middle of the season. Certainly is, Brian. I'm a big believer that successes and failures are collective efforts. Uh Uh-oh, this sounds like it's not going to end well for somebody. However, I ultimately felt that a change was needed and that a new voice overseeing our hitting operations would give us the best chance to perform. Brian, there's no way this is the first year you thought that. It simply defies logic. Why is this the first year you're acting on that which you think about all the time? What changed? What changed is that Cashman knows that there is a wait-to-see bounty on his kepi. The wait-to-see bounty is that Cashman and Boone both get fired if they don't make the playoffs. And I'm sticking to that wait-to-see. Because if Brian Cashman can change his mind, wink, 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 then so can Hal Steinbrenner. And while Hal doesn't want to be George, he's already proven he's not George. But at some point, he's got to be Hal. And at some point, Hal will start being judged based on the performance of the team where money doesn't seem to be buying victories. We will find out soon enough what happens with the Yankees. But if they do not secure a playoff spot and their hitting continues to be bad and Judge continues to not play, there's going to be some changes in the Bronx. You just wait and see. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to review an Owen Wilson movie that made me smile. Absolute nostalgia. If you don't know Bob Ross, then don't fast forward. You're going to learn who that is very briefly because you should know who he is. And then we're going to follow up on two stories back in college that we let off with yesterday where there are updates at Northwestern, updates in West Virginia, and the updates are staggering. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Through the first round of the NBA playoffs, it's still all about the Celtics and the Nuggets. Will it be a likely matchup between the two powerhouses for the NBA championship? You can bet on the Celtics to beat the Nuggets at plus 400, or the Nuggets to beat the Celtics at plus 425, right now. And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet five bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson, here with Matthew Coca. Every day at o'clock, live on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson, YouTube, Jay Moore. Let me do that again, Coca, ready? That's a terrible read. 4869. Welcome back to Nothing Personal with David Sampson. I'm David Sampson. Matthew Coke and I are live every morning, 8 a.m. on the YouTube channel, Nothing Personal with David Sampson. In addition, you can download the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, no later than 9.30 a.m. Eastern every single day. Tell your friends about us. Join us as we cover topics in sports, culture, entertainment from a perspective that you don't hear anywhere else because I've been in the room where it happens and I'm willing to talk about it. Watch a movie every single day. Contact me at David P. Sampson on Twitter, David P. Sampson on Instagram. Look for all sorts of things that we're going to be doing here in the next month. We're going to have some sit-downs, some mailbags, maybe some cool announcements, some unveilings. But in the meantime, keep giving me your movie suggestions because my list is growing, but I do watch one every day. I watched Paint. Stars Owen Wilson, Stephen Root. You may know him. Great character actor, Man in the High Castle. Been in a bunch of movies. Michaela Watkins, great character actress, been in several things. When someone's in a movie and you recognize their face, but you can't quite place it, are you the type who has to pause and go to IMDb and say, oh my God, of course, she or he was in that? Or do you let the movie go while you're looking on IMDb? I think it's an age thing. I think younger people are willing to let the movie go while they're looking up where they know the face from. I'm not. I'm a straight pauser because I believe that the people who make the movies and write the movies deserve for me to hear every word and see every frame. If I get a call, if I get a text, if I get interrupted, if I have an ADD moment where I need to get up, whatever the case is, I'm hitting pause. It used to be I could wait till the end of the movie to figure out who someone was, but my brain has turned into now. There's a piece of information I don't have. I know I can get it. I want it right now. The internet has completely changed how I interact with every situation. There's no more debating. You don't sit around with your friends and say, hey, do you know the four people who won the home run derby in their home? Let's think about this in their home stadium. We got this. Oh, no, I can't think of it. All right, we'll get back to it. We'll think about it. Maybe I'll check my Britannica. No, you search it after five seconds. Our brains are getting wired for immediate gratification. Believe me, it's an issue that leaks into other parts of our lives. 
When you match immediate gratification with frustration tolerance issues, you get, ta-da, David Sampson. Paint is the name of the movie. Owen Wilson stars as a independent channel back, like think Wayne's World, where he is the Bob Ross. He makes paintings. He looks like Bob Ross. He has a perm like Bob Ross. And it talks about his life. It goes through. It's not a feature about Bob Ross or a documentary about Bob Ross. It's a totally made up story about what Bob Ross's life might be like. The loneliness that may exist. It's good. It's not great, but it's good. So what am I saying? I'm saying it's a skip. I'm sorry, Owen. I really am. If you want to watch an Owen Wilson vehicle, go watch Wedding Crashers or Marley and Me. So many other good movies. Not this one. All right. We got to switch gears now because in 18 minutes, I need to find a way to explain to you what the hell is going on. If you left yesterday's Nothing Personal show or Levitard show with any thought other than Pat Fitzgerald was going to get fired, then I did not do my job communicating properly to you. Pat Fitzgerald is the coach of the Northwestern football team. Pat Fitzgerald is a man who's been there for more than half his life. Player, assistant, head coach, beloved. We're talking statue type of coach. 30 years from now, still being there. Lifetime. And it all fell apart. And it fell apart because... He's been doing things for decades. And things that were okay decades ago or a decade ago are no longer okay today. Hazing, sexual contact, making players do things like nude in order to teach them how to be wiser, stronger, better disciplined the old Jessup Code Red situation doesn't fly anymore. It's hard for people to change with the times. It's hard for people who grew up at a time when people were racist. It's hard for them not to be racist. It doesn't mean that's okay. When you've grown up in a time where misogyny on a movie set is how it works, it's hard to get on a movie set and change the way you've acted. We've been doing it for 40, 50 years. Doesn't make it right, doesn't make it better doesn't make you less culpable. I am not explaining away Pat Fitzgerald actions by excusing them because that's how it's always been done and therefore that makes it okay. I am assigning a modicum of blame to those at Northwestern who were not able to convince Fitzgerald that the way they were operating their team was no longer appropriate. And hey, you're going to get caught. It's not going to end well. For all of the older people on movie sets, how many people knew that what Harvey Weinstein was doing was wrong, but couldn't say anything because of the power? You can't speak truth to power. You'll get squashed like a bug. But when you surround yourself with sycophants or people on your payroll who are not paid to tell you the truth, you're not doing yourself any favors and your run is going to come to an end. It may make you feel brilliant, 
when you think everything you do is right and that you walk on water. It may make you feel like you have cracked the code of success. But guess what? You end up fired or in jail or disgraced. What if you had the one person around who got paid no matter what they said to you? What if you had one person around who was paid to actually give you the opposite point of view than what you hold? What if you paid an employee purposefully to be the snake in the grass, to be the no fun guy? That would take courage, wouldn't it? First to employ that person and then to listen to that person. Because you can no longer say, I had no idea. What do I know what these players are doing? You don't have credibility when you're the coach of a team and you say that. Coaches know what's going on in the clubhouse because it's told to them if they don't see it with their own two eyes. President Schill of Northwestern suspended Fitzgerald for two weeks after the investigation into the hazing and two days later fired him. In an announcement where Schill had to eat crow. He quoted the independent investigation just like he did when he came to the conclusion that Fitzgerald would be suspended for two weeks. Same investigation. Except he realized that his walk back of re-examining the punishment, which was the second step that we discussed yesterday, could end nowhere except the third step, which was with a termination. The problem is he did not communicate with Fitzgerald properly. And Fitzgerald took hours to get into litigation mode. For all of you who think that your coaches are loyal to your school and how much your coaches love your school or your coaches love your team or your players love your team, just remember the overarching concept of this show. It's just business. No, the show's not over. It's just business. It took Pat Fitzgerald hours to look at his alma mater at the love of his life and say, guess what? I'm lawyering up. You better lawyer up too. And he's going after not just his contract. He's going after scalps. He wants more people fired. Fitzgerald's statement was very clear that he believes that the way he was was fine. He wants you to believe that all the young men who graduated became great husbands, great fathers, captains of industry. We are Northwestern. I happen to love Northwestern. My daughter went to Northwestern. We've had on the show one of the, for the former provosts of Northwestern, current president of Rutgers. Pat Fitzgerald's statement talks about what President Schill should have talked about. The attorney conducted a thorough investigation spanning several months into the allegations that led to my termination. Her investigation reaffirmed what I've always maintained, that I had no knowledge whatsoever of any form of hazing within the Northwestern football program. Horse hockey. 
The investigation could not have found that. The investigation said it found it, but David, you're calling into question the independence of an inv independent investigation. You're goddamn right I am. Independent investigation. My arse. Fitzgerald using that in his statement as his basically buttressing the argument that the two-week punishment is fine because what did I know? I'll take one for the team during July. Turns out it's not one player. Turns out there's whiteboards. Turns out that the coach knows exactly what's happening. Fitzgerald then in his statement says that only under a week ago, Northwestern and I came to a mutual agreement regarding the appropriate resolution following the thorough investigation. Reminder, keep using the adjective thorough because we'll start believing it. Keep using thorough and independent and we will not question the results at all. The agreement stipulated a two-week suspension. Therefore, I was surprised when I learned that the president of Northwestern unilaterally revoked our agreement without any prior notification and subsequently terminated my employment. Here's a newsflash for you and your attorneys, Pat. That's not how it works. When you're suspended for, cond for condiments, I'm thinking about Slurpees, Coca. Although Slurpees are not condiments, but I digress. When you are suspended for conduct unbecoming an officer, conduct detrimental to the team, Conduct that is in violation of your employment agreement. We don't go to the employee and say, hey, listen, do me a favor. Will you sign off on this? Can we, we're going to quickly do a document here. No, you're suspended. See you later. See you in two weeks. Hey, I changed my mind. It's not like the settlement of a case. Hey, that, was that with prejudice or without prejudice? Am I in danger of having this opened up again? You're damn right you're in danger of having this opened up again. You're not collectively bargained, not a union. You're not represented here. There's no agreement signed that now Northwestern went back on. And I'm not shilling for shill. Trust me. Shill does not come out of this looking good at all. And then Fitzgerald drops the litigation bomb. Given the unexpected turn of events, I've entrusted my agent and legal counsel Dan Webb from Winston and Strawn to take the necessary steps to protect my rights in accordance with the law. In other words, the lawyer who wrote this, Dan Webb, wants his name out there. This is what I do. If you're wrongfully terminated and you feel you've got a case against your employer, contact me at 1-800-I'm-a-lawyer and I'll only take 10% or we can do it hourly. How worried is Northwestern right now? Zero. If they want to give Pat Fitzgerald the little goodbye present, have at it. A little severance payment, way to go. But if you think that this is going to court over Pat Fitzgerald's termination, then I've got a bridge I'd like to sell you for about a buck fifty. There will be no lawsuit. There will be no trial. There will be some sort of settlement worked out. But on top of all of that, Pat Fitzgerald will not coach another game for Northwestern. Period. Hard stop. He can go get cocktails with Bob Huggins. Plenty of time. They can be homophobic, 
They can drink, drive, whatever they want to do. Not saying Fitzgerald does that. Not saying Huggins will do that again, given that he's in rehabilitation. What I am saying is Huggins will have plenty of time. How is it that Bob Huggins believes that he's still the coach of West Virginia? It's so good. He released a statement yesterday that is one of my all-time favorite statements. It's titled Media Statement, Robert E. Huggins. And then in big capital letters, West Virginia University head basketball coach. When I release statements, how would it look? David Sampson, president, Miami Marlins. Nope, not anymore. Can't write that. I like that. I think the presidents get to. I've seen Donald Trump's notes that he, those crazy notes that he sends out under in the stationery, Donald President, President of the United States. I actually believe that that is the one job where you can put on your release that which you used to do. West Virginia University head basketball coach. Nope, I'm already not buying the whole statement, but it's just starting. Yesterday, go listen to the segment we did where Huggins apparently got a new lawyer saying that he never resigned and he didn't have to notify anybody properly. And West Virginia responded by saying, who the hell are your lawyers? We've been negotiating with a lawyer who you've had the entire time. Did you change lawyers? You got to let me know who to talk to. So Higgins released a statement. Why? He couldn't just call West Virginia. He couldn't just send a little note privately. FYI, I've changed counsel. Let this serve as notice. I've changed counsel and I'm now fighting my resignation. But a media statement, there's got to be something good in here. There's got to be an explanation. And then we get to it in the third paragraph. Due to my focus on rehabilitation, I have not been in the media or responding to West Virginia's statement regarding the incident. I now understand that they published a statement purportedly written by me at 10.30 p.m. on June 17, 2023. That's the whole statement where Huggins said, I'm resigning, I'm retiring, I'm done. There is an argument now whether or not he actually either A, wrote that or B, knew that it was being sent. And that argument has zero credibility. Huggins came in and packed his boxes, emptied his office. He had a lawyer who was speaking to West Virginia during the course of this statement, during the course of this release, during the course of his resignation slash termination, negotiating his severance when it would be paid. If you have not resigned or retired, then why is it that you're negotiating at all to have payments made under your contract that kick in if you resign or retire? What the courts do is they look to the action of the parties. Oh, you didn't send the notice by certified mail. Therefore, I didn't send notice. Therefore, you did not receive notice. Therefore, I can still say I am the head coach of the West Virginia University basketball team. Bobby boy, you got it wrong. And now you're tripling down. And it makes you seem pathetic. There's always a lawyer who will take any case. 
gets their name in the press, get a little exposure. Hey, were you the guy who represented Bob Huggins? I'd like to party with you. He ended his statement with, now that I have obtained counsel to review the employment agreement and have seen West Virginia's comments about my current status, it is clear that West Virginia did not handle the situation appropriately. More importantly, the basketball program is in need and I have a strong desire to conclude my career as the head basketball coach for the program that I love. It's so nice. I have a little tear. Hold on, Coke. I have a little tear in my eye. I hope to meet with WVU in the near future to resolve this situation. That's just what West Virginia is going to do, Bob. You hired a lawyer. You put him on notice. There could be litigation. You're doing a media statement, but hold on. Can I get a two o'clock on Wednesday, please? Can we talk about our schedule and maybe practice schedule? Practice? You're not even the coach. I like it when there's when there's uh, fighting going on between two parties and they're doing it through the media. And one says in the media, and I look forward to resolving this dispute privately. Really? You do? Then why do you have to say it publicly? When people are so quick to tell you that they want to do something privately when they're public and they're doing it in public, you may want to examine the veracity of the statement. West Virginia sends a three-page letter detailing why everything Huggins said was wrong. Everything. Now, this is just one person's word against another. No. They've got timestamp. They've got emails. They've got actions by the parties after the resignation happened. They've got three weeks of actions that have taken place. This isn't like when you've been abused or the statute of limitations starts when you discover it or the statute of limitations in certain legal cases. I didn't know I'd been defrauded. Sometimes the statute of limitations starts when you should have known or the day that the actual thing happened. The courts will look toward these actions and say, hey, Bob, you weren't the coach. Just because you found a lawyer who thinks that they can extract one more pound of flesh from West Virginia does not mean that that's how it's going to work. West Virginia will look at the Huggins statement. They will look at his new lawyer, his old lawyer, any lawyer they want. They will move on with their lives without Bob Huggins. They will portray and paint him as a desperate, pathetic character trying to hold on to that which was and which never will be again. They will meet their board of trustees and tell them, don't worry, it's just business. Bye, Bob. It's nothing personal. 